0: This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network.
1: And welcome back to Previously on Lost. This is episode number 25. And we're going to be talking about the season one, season, not season, oh, sorry, not in season one, season two episode premiere of Man of Science, Man of Faith. And uh, I am one of your hosts, I am Mike, and I have with me Stephen. How's it going, man?
0: It's going great. I cannot wait to talk about the best season of Lost. I'm very excited. Ooh.
1: Ooh, he's already throwing shade down on it all right all right well uh how about you Corey? what about you how you doing bud
2: what is in the hatch what's in the hatch that's all i want to know what is in the hatch um Uh, I've, i've waited 119 days to figure out what's in the hatch uh no no i'm i'm excited season two is fun and we had we didn't have to wait whatever 119 days which i think is what the difference between season one and season two was which sounds like nothing now today right. but back then it was like what we have to wait this long
1: and it <laughs> took longer to get the dvds back then too to actually like rewatch it so uh it was, it was it was good, but yeah, we are into season two now. So make sure you guys get us get us your feedback on all that. Um, I'm looking forward to digging into this. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dig on into the episode. I'm gonna, just going to tell you currently we are 44 days on the island. 44 days on the island. And Stephen, what happened last time on Lost?
0: All right. Previously on Lost, Danielle Rousseau enters the beach camp and warns the survivors that the others are coming. Jack and Locke make a plan to blow open the hatch with some dynamite. Just as the hatch is about to blow, Hurley notices the numbers inscribed on the side of the hatch and frantically warns Locke to stop. Locke ignores him and lights the fuse.
1: All right. And we are into Season 2, Episode 1. This episode was recorded on, or not recorded, but played September 21st, 2005. It was directed by Jack Bender and written by Damon Lindelof. By the way, this one does not have Carlton Cuse, but I must tell you, I actually watched a show, kind of rabbit trail, the other day or last night. I watched the season premiere uh, or series premiere episode, and I had not seen the show and I wonder, why in the world have I never watched this show before? And I watched the Carlton Cuse one of Jack Ryan with John Krasinski.
2: Oh, I had no idea that was Carlton Cuse. Yes.
1: yes. And he, holy Does he do crap, the whole show good. or just an episode? Uh, as far as I know, he did the show. I don't know yet.
0: Yeah, um, I did not
1: know that either. Yeah. Um, I didn't, but I can't wait. to I didn't
2: even know that was a show. I thought, I thought that was a movie.
1: Well, it's on um it's on Amazon Prime.
2: Oh, okay. So it does not have so. Tom Cruise then, somebody else. No. Okay.
1: No. No. Uh but with this episode of season 1 of epi- season 2 episode 1, I'm going to like the whole freaking episode. With the hatch now open, Kate and Locke ignore Jack's warnings and venture down the shaft without him. Meanwhile, back in flashbacks. Jack Saves a Woman and Runs Up Some Stairs.
2: That's a a great summary. It's It's, it's (laughs) very simple. It's a wonderful summary. It's perfect. Uh, So I have some uh, some factoids about this episode. Uh, With 23.47 million viewers uh, during its original airing, as we just pointed out, September 21st, this was the most watched episode ever of Lost. So this is the peak. This is as good as it gets right here.
1: Uh, That's right. So after this episode, we're going to end on a high note. This episode is probably the show is probably not coming back. And no, just we're going to keep we're going to keep recording about. Well, it really
2: shows the buzz the show built up and it won a bunch of Emmys and had, you know, the long break all summer, you know, into into fall. Uh, So, yeah, most watched episode ever. And uh, they they bring everything, so uh, I think think they uh, really invested into it. Uh, So this is the first episode of the show to not feature Sawyer or Michael. Uh, We do have Walt, but uh, no Sawyer or or, or Michael, yes. No screaming of Walt yet, or maybe Shannon says his name. Uh, Anyways, the Swan mural was painted by the episode director, Jack Bender. Which I believe we've had some wow. sort of fact about his art before, right? Doesn't he have some art yeah. in the background of... Pretty much all
0: all of the artwork on the show was his, correct? Uh, Claire's boyfriend's painting, Thomas. You know, Claire's baby daddy, Thomas, his painting was Jack Bender. Um, and then later, when they do the artwork, um, when they are having the auction with uh, Widmore later on, that's Jack Bender's artwork.
2: Hmm interesting. Uh, anyway, so during the first flashback scene, the man brought in to the ER with Sarah is is Mr. Rutherf- Rutherford. Uh, careful observers will realize that this is, in actuality, Shannon's father. Uh, also, Mr. Rutherford's time of death is announced in the background of the scene as 8.15, of course. Uh, yeah, so we've heard about Shannon's father before, I think. You know, that's the whole drama between Boone and Shannon. It's because he died, and then Shannon or uh, Boone's mom, apparently, whatever, did stuff that that made uh, Shannon very unhappy uh, yeah, so the world premiere of season two took place at Waikiki Beach on the island of Oahu one week before ABC aired the episode. To the rest of the world. Uh, The first episode was projected on a screen 30 feet tall, and the cast walked out uh, on a red carpet to greet fans before the episode played. The producers requested that the viewers not disclose the events of the episode before it aired. And that's really cool. To have been there, that would have been awesome. Uh,
1: Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Something tells me that they couldn't do that today and still get people not to. Not to spoil that, I, I feel like that that was easier back then than it would be today.
2: What? Well, yeah. right. We have the camera phones uh, back then aren't what they are today. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> True. Right, and at, and at the same time, a lot of people were blogging back then. So like Facebook and you know was just getting big, and Twitter hadn't even really come around yet. So I mean, it was. Um, it was it was yeah i mean it, it just yeah. anyways
2: and our last fact is very beatles esque uh, when walt appears to shannon dripping wet whispering something unintelligible he is saying don't push the button button bad backwards so it's played in reverse you know kind of like i buried paul or it's whatever really cool. is on revolution nine
1: that's cool yeah interesting i I, I thought it was
2: i don't know how you know accurate that message is if walt was really trying to get that across because shouldn't they push the button i mean that's it seems it (laughs) seems like they should
1: all we know is shannon's going crazy
2: anyways that the whole button pushing to push or to not push the button that's a discussion we're going to have over the next 20-some episodes because the season is very much about that. And uh, I think that's a good segue to uh, our discussion of the episode.
1: All right. So let's talk about it, guys. Uh, give me an ep- give me a moment or something during the episode that, um, that you guys had that kind of really shot out at you.
0: Well, I, I'd say that it, it's hard to talk about the episode without starting um, at the beginning, our our cold open here, where Des, you know, we we see this long haired gentleman uh, turning on some funky music and riding the bike, making a making a smoothie, taking a rather um, interesting injection. Um, w- where we see the Dharma logo on the, the things he's injecting himself with, uh, followed by a, a blast, and then we kind of find out where we're at. I think this was a pretty amazing way to, to start a season. You know, we, we've been waiting to find out what's down in the hatch, and will they real quick answer what's down in the hatch?
2: Yeah, I think this is probably the coolest opening of any season. Maybe, which is hard to say, because you know there's a lot of really, you know I think I said I think I just said in the last episode that the pilot was the best opening of any season, so maybe I won't say that because I don't want to disagree with my past self, but it is amazing nonetheless. I think this has got to be one of those moments that is the most memorable scene. Like you can, it's really easy to just remember exactly what happens in this scene. You can't see the guy's face, and he does all these weird things. Like he is, it's a really old computer, but uh, some of the other stuff is really new and fancy looking. So in the, the music, you know, it's just one of the coolest openings, you know, a real, uh, (laughs) everybody's mind was blown. I'd say, I,
1: I think, I think when, when people saw that opening, uh, okay. So when I, when I first saw this show, okay, I'll be honest. When I first saw this show, um, and I went back and watched it. I actually thought, wait a minute, am I on the right show? For <laughs> <laughs> like- yeah. like the first couple minutes, I'm like, wait a minute, am I watching... So I hadn't... I, I don't know if any other... I mean, there's been some other shows that have done that to me where I've had to stop and like make sure I'm on the right episode or I'm on the right show. And this was one of them. I'm like, what in the world? Um, but yeah, I, I loved this cold open because automatically what fans have been waiting for, for what you said, 119 days, now they're like something else is going on in this in this in this world and 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 there you know you see you see like you say computers you see a spin bike you see you know record players and so many new mysteries in that first just couple minutes like what the crap is going on in this place so it's really good i loved the opening
2: yeah, I, I think in classic last lost form, this episode gives us more questions than it does answers. Like, I think the episode people probably would have, they were expecting more was like orientation where we do get a lot of answers to stuff. Uh, you know, more questions too. But this, the beginning, you think, oh, it's a flashback. But it's like, oh, no, we wanted the hatch. They're immediately going to show us what is in the hatch. But the catch is we don't know what the heck any of this means. So it's not like it's a quick answer to like this is what the hatch is all about. It's like oh we've got a long story to unfold over a long period of time. In fact, the Swan station is basically you know part of the story till the very very end. So at least at least yeah. through all of season five.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it was a great opening scene. Um, I, let's talk about Shannon's need to find Vincent. Well, let's talk about Shannon because it was one of those kind of side stories that I think the writers put in there but did not get as much of a attention as as the rest of the episode, obviously, because everybody's wondering what's in the hatch, what's in the hatch. And Shannon's kind of put on a back burner in this episode. But she's she's sleep-deprived. She is not eating, according to Said, and she's just got this desperate need to find Vincent. And uh, Shannon, Shannon's struggling. Shannon didn't get any better since last season. Yeah, I,
2: I actually thought this was a really cool sequence. And I could have done for a little bit more of this and a little bit less of Jack, yeah. you know, kind of like going back and forth on what he's going to do. But the the scene where they're out in the jungle is super creepy. And I think it's just a, like a great way to start the new season is an episode where the whole thing is at nighttime in the dark. And you have people, you know, you immediately throw them out in the jungle, have the whispers. There's a little bit of whispers, I think. And then you see Walt just like, let's creep everybody out right away to remind them, like, this show is not just, you know, a fun island getaway. And, uh, yeah, I thought really interesting stuff for Shannon.
1: Yeah, by the way, did you notice that the Walt, that 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 Walt and that scene was definitely older looking than the season one when we last saw him? At the end of the at the end you know what a month ago, at the end of season one, like he definitely looked older in this one. There's probably a reason why he never and, showed back up again.
0: And <laughs> and that's that's where the they ran into I think why they took the Walt story the way they did was because he he grew maybe a little bit faster than they anticipated. Um, so I think here they're still at a point where they can kind of not acknowledge it. Whereas yeah. later on in the show, they kind of have to acknowledge um, that he has grown.
2: Yeah, I, th- I yeah. think the whole having a be soaking wet uh, and like the weird facial expression he's giving—that's that's a good way to help uh, kind of hide the fact that he's much older. Because he he looks weird, like anybody just completely dripping in water. There's there's something strange about them, so you don't notice. Is much that oh wow he looks like he aged nine months, so
1: yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah she just has this she has this overwhelming compulsion to find Vincent because it's something tangible I think that 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 she can hold on to and she even mentioned that the Saeed. she said you know the last thing I need to do is is try to. Um, uh, lose this kid's dog when that's that's like the one thing somebody's actually entrusted to me (laughs) is this dog
0: and i I liked i liked that they kept that up i I felt that was really kind of important to shannon's character you know because you know she that was really important to her that you know when when saeed um you know kind of valued her and helped had her help read the maps and she felt like she had some value seems like that's something really important to shannon's character and i'm glad they're kind of following following that through Um, because again i think the part where uh walt trusted the dog to shannon was a really important scene and i'm glad they're really having her take that seriously i think it's a good choice
2: yeah Yeah. so i have a question about vincent is this actually vincent that we see or is this is this the smoke monster because Vincent, he's a good dog. He's a good boy. Why would he run away from Shannon like that in the middle of the night? And I was a little disconcerting.
1: So, the only issue with it being the smoke monster is right now, right now the smoke monster is trying to go into the hatch in the form of Locke. But Oh my god. But the only <laughs> the only the only issue I could see though is that Michael is there. And I believe Michael is the image of is the smoke monster in this point. The one that Shannon sees. You mean, you mean Walt? So, well, Walt, yeah. not Michael. But yeah, Walt. So the only issue would, would be how do you... I mean, can he change like really quickly yeah. from Walt to, to to Vincent? But it's possible. Well,
0: Vincent also likes to just take some adventures. This is not the first time we've seen Vincent kind of go do his own thing. He, you know, he doesn't really like to stay with the group. He likes to disappear for a little while
2: he he's yeah. a jungle dog at heart you're right <laughs> but,
0: i he is. is that what we think happened here was was walt the smoke monster like i'm still trying to figure out what to make of this scene um is that where you guys heads at
2: you know i i, I think so actually because, i
1: mean he's go ahead
2: i think this one is is uh, is is one of the few that's it's definitely debated because some people think like Walt has some sort of powers so this is like a projection or he he is really there or I don't know what it could be but or or it could I be mean, the smoke I mean, it, monster it's really cuz i thought the smoke monster could only transform into dead people and Walt isn't dead
1: true i mean it, it could also be the it, it could also be just her because again Saeed's mentioned she hasn't slept she's exhausted she hasn't eaten so her her mind could be playing tricks on her and we know with the island your mind will if your mind is playing tricks on you it's going to happen like example we're going to see later Kate and the black horse
2: yeah well maybe maybe we could save the rest I, I think we're going to get a lot more information on this I'm pretty sure that she keeps yeah she continues to have these visions for a couple episodes and i believe in the end saeed also sees walt you know because he doesn't believe her and then he sees so yeah i I, it's one of those where it's kind of left up and the mystery doesn't completely fit it's like walt is special but it could be the smoke monster because you know walt then appears to john Locke at the end of season three as well so walt is like the uh He's like the loophole of this this smoke monster rule, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something else I kind of had on mind was Hurley's confession to Jack finally about his past. And Jack just kind of looks at him. You know, he's a he's a you know when I when I was in a psych ward and and I, I wasn't crazy or anything, but when I was in a psych ward, I was there for a few months. And <laughs> he just goes on and he tells him, you know, I won a hundred plus million dollars and. And bad luck happened, and Jack just kind of looked at him like, yeah, uh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a
0: really good scene because, I mean, I think as a viewer, if I heard that story, the first takeaway, my first takeaway would not have been, uh, you know, you were in a psych ward. But that's that's what Jack got hung up on. Whereas there was so much going on. <laughs> Yeah, there was so much going on in that story (laughs) that to me is a lot more interesting than the fact that he was in a psych ward, and I just think it's kind of funny that that's what Jack noticed, because I mean Hurley really has been kind of kept this story kind of close to his vest and he really kind of just spills it all for Jack here, and and that's the response he gets
1: Yeah
2: Yeah, Hurley Hurley has had uh, pretty bad luck on Finding people he can open up to, you know, he, he tries to. He's like the guy where anybody can open up to him, but for some reason, you know, it doesn't work the other way.
0: It, it seems like nobody ever believes him. You know, he told Charlie that he, you know, that he won the lottery. Charlie didn't believe him. And that, you know, Jack doesn't believe the story about the numbers. So, it, see, yeah, when he does open up, it doesn't necessarily go real well for Hurley.
2: What? What he really needs is some sort of half-crazy ex-therapist girlfriend. I think that would <laughs> level him out a little bit.
0: That would be a nice, a nice addition to the show.
2: Um, so, speaking of nice additions to the show, i got to bring up one of my favorite characters of all time, Desmond David Hume. Yes. His first appearance, which is brief and confusing... Uh, I I remember when I first watched this show I know we're kind of skipping ahead to the end here but when you see the flashback you know of the uh, uh, what was it called the Tour de Stade uh, running the stadium and and you see this Desmond you're like what like sort of goofball like what weird guy is this and then of course you're like oh of course he's in the hatch like what a coincidence And, and it was like a very odd thing I didn't really know how to feel about it you know the first time but man it's uh Another great mystery and a all-time great lost lost character.
1: Yeah, Desmond is absolutely one of my favorite characters on the entire show. His whole story, like I, I love when we get into season four, where he's got to anchor himself from the past and the present um, with 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 Penny and. Um, but I, I love that phrase he says all the time, you know, "See in another life, brother," <laughs> and it's just it's just one of those that it's just only the only way he you know. He could say it. and, um yeah, Desmond's introduction is just is one of the great great ones of the show to me. And, absolutely. And I think
2: one of the major takeaways, because we don't learn very much about Desmond, you know, you know, his whole character yeah. until later on. But a great takeaway, I think for for the audience, maybe subconsciously, is like this show has a lot more to offer because once you get to the end of season one, I think some people are like, "Oh, great. what's in the hatch?" But some people are thinking, what else can they do? You know, we have all these characters. We've had backstories of all of them. Are they going to really just milk everything they can out of this? And this is Lost showing, like, no, we can bring in these new characters that are on the island you don't know about and all these mysteries and really, uh, you know, color in the mythology of this whole whole island, which was not really, um, you know, known to be. You know, people did not expect what, what they got.
1: Right. Right. Anything else, you guys? Well,
0: um, I think back to uh, you know the aftermath of when they blow the hatch. I thought there was some kind of interesting stuff there with the that that crew. First off, um, you know the, the door. Kate finds that the door has quarantine stamped on the inside of it. I think that's kind of a you know <laughs> this door that they've been trying to open for half of a season and. You know, has no hatch. Then we find out it has quarantine written in it. Plus, we've also we've already seen Desmond injecting him with something that looks kind of vaccine-ish.
1: Uh, Dude, that's it. That's it right there. When they blew the hatch, they released COVID-19. <laughs> oh my gosh! And Desmond is immune <laughs> because he's been injecting himself with the vaccine. We figured it out.
2: You know, people have always said Lost was way ahead of its time. And clearly they (laughs) were. That is
1: true. Oh, my.
2: Desmond David Hume. Desmond is immune. You know?
1: My goodness. But yeah, uh, it's very. That whole thing. I liked your notes on there, Stephen, about the whole instance that went down after they blew the hatch between Jack and Locke and and all those other things. That, that, that was Yeah, we,
0: we had a lot of, you know, the, you we're seeing that, that further divide between Jack and Locke that started, you know, last season. Um, and you we're getting a lot more of that, you know, Locke, why don't you want to go down there, Jack? You know, they're really trying to feel each other out. You know, they definitely have different priorities right now, and that kind of plays out after that when Jack, um, Jack insists that they go back to the rest of the survivors and wait the night out and Locke says well i'm not going to do that um i'm going back um so we're definitely seeing more of the jack and Locke, man of science man of faith you know hence the the title of the episode
2: yeah, yeah i thought it was an interesting uh you know kind of first few minutes where jack really comes on heavy and he's like no we're not going to go down there and, and Locke's just like, okay, whatever and, and he, you know plants a little seed of asking him, you know why don't you want to go down there but the lock backs off and basically takes another approach and just' <laughs> just gonna go behind your back or in front of you and just do it anyways. I'm not going to argue with
1: you. Yeah, well I, you know you quoted what, what Locke asked him, why don't you want to go down there Jack and Jack's immediate response after that was why do you want to go down there, Locke? you know why do you want to be in there? You know, and and you know, obviously Locke is not concerned about everybody else. You could see that he is not concerned about anybody else. He is concerned about I want to know what's in that hatch. I don't care if anybody else goes with me, even the people we're trying to quote unquote save. So it's all about what he wants.
2: Yeah, I was actually I was reading uh, an interesting article. Um, I usually try not to read reviews when I when I do these, so I am very fresh, but but by the AV club, I don't know if you've read any of their lost reviews out there. They have kind of retrospective. It's really interesting, but, but um, their reviewer, I can't remember the name where it was, was talking about how in this episode, when you have these 23 million viewers, the the biggest audience, Jack in some way, some ways represents kind of the, the casual audience and Locke kind of represents more of the sci-fi audience. Like people like, I want to know more about the hatch. I want, and, and, because this is on network tv and you have so many viewers you have people that are a little more hesitant to the to the faith or of of uh the crazy island mysteries or the sci-fi uh um kind of you know aspects of the show so i thought that was an interesting dichotomy of those those two sides uh and i hadn't thought of it that way
1: yeah yeah so so that that was good i enjoyed that it's it's uh, it is funny though that they did say um you know jack told kate at the end of season one hey when that hatch goes open we're gonna have a lock problem and what do you see kate do <laughs> kate jumps over to locks camp like <laughs> automatically just without even thinking she just she, she just jumps over and and her and hurley even brings up the point and hurley said well jack are you concerned concerned about what you know your your girl is siding with Locke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny, just the way Hurley brings it out, man. Make, making time with you, oh. making time
0: with your girl, or.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, That's funny. I
0: I thought that the also the Locke and Kate conversation was pretty interesting. There, you know, there, you know Locke's asking what Kate saw if, if she saw the pillarus You know. the he said he saw a pillar of smoke trying to pull him down a hole. Did, did you see it too, Kate? That must mean you're crazy too. thought that was, you know, kind of an interesting conversation. As well as we found out another little Locke tidbit. Uh, I don't know if this term is still the proper term, but apparently Locke is a grammar Nazi. I don't know what other, uh, if there's a better... <laughs> I, I did not expect that one out of Locke, you know, correcting, uh, how we call it the, the former English teacher, you know, vibe, but, um... Yeah, Locke correcting yeah. Kate's grammar. I just thought that was kind of an interesting little quirk that you don't expect out of Locke. Yeah.
2: Badly, <laughs> not bad. Yeah,
0: yes. that that one just kind of caught me off guard. I don't know why that one stood out to me, but uh, I, yeah, I, thought,
2: I, I think yeah. I think that Locke was on point this whole episode. This was a good. He had a good look. This is he's kind of cr- still crazy, but this is Locke like embracing it. You know, when he has the conversations with Jack, he's straight up about it with kate he brings up a great point hey we saw a pillar of smoke you're calling me crazy uh we just saw some sort of magical thing happen like so maybe this is a different you know abnormal circumstance and then his great little speech after honestly jack gives kind of a you know not so good you know so so speech to everybody not very inspiring but um Locke, you know he grabs the cable and he, he walks off and I love his explanation he's like I shouldn't logically this is dumb but I want to I just want to I'm going to go do it <laughs> yeah. if Locke if Loc said that all the time instead of trying to lie and come up with some like special explanation he would be in a lot better graces with everybody when he's just open and just like hey I want to do this I feel like this is important to me um, You know, he's openly being selfish about it and uh, good for him
1: <laughs> yeah and I mean he's, he, he is he's openly defying Jack in front of everybody too which makes this dynamic really interesting to me
2: and then of course he's, he's selfish again when he says uh, hey Kate why don't you go down first
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that was a good so. little scene there she's like you forgot about the, the part of just seeing if I'm going to get eaten <laughs> and he's like yeah that too, yeah, that too.
2: <laughs> so the, the other moment I really wanted to talk about which is one of my favorite moments um, of the show is when Jack goes down the hatch. I think this is just like such a cool moment. And there's something about walking through this hallway. You see like the cement, the the key floats up from the, the mag magnetic qualities of the, uh, of the Swan station. You see the mural. It's like all these weird little mysterious things. I feel like this really encapsulates like lost, um, and you know jack it's just it's it's a pretty epic moment like i sometimes i don't like jack but i love yeah. i love his uh the look he's like indiana jones going down there
1: yeah i, I love she said she said well what do i need to say when, when i want you to stop um stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then and then when she's down there and uh, after the rope slips and the tree breaks and or and, and the rope slips or the cable slips out of his hand and he stops her. She's about to say, "Okay, you know, pull me back up," and he just starts lowering her. He lowering. She's like, "Well, okay." Yeah.
2: <laughs> I you know sometimes I feel like uh, the writers make Jack look a little stupid when it comes to Jack versus Locke. I was glad that Jack was the smart one and wrapped his hands with the with the t-shirt. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, brilliant. And, you know, Locke, that's painful to watch when he gets his hands all cut up from the cable. Yeah. Pretty pretty painful.
1: So Jack makes it into the vault or into the uh, the hatch. The vault makes it into the hatch. And, uh, I mean, we're, like, catching everything as we go down. We're seeing everything as Jack sees it. And he sees this... This mess of a wall and as he gets closer of course we see the key being pulled toward the wall uh, we'll get into more of that when that really gets introduced what's going on there but, uh, but yeah we see the computer the dome um, everything and listen Desmond's Desmond's had a good idea of how to, boob, how, to, how to booby trap things down there you know turning on music really loud and, and flashing blinding lights and he's got it man
2: This is—it's the coolest set piece they have. I mean, I say that. If I were to have a miniature of anything from Lost, I think it'd be the the (laughs) the hatch. It's just—it's so badass. It's just everything is really interesting about it. The design. Uh, Oh
0: yeah. I I feel like there's certain scenes in Lost that we see a lot, Um, and Um, this initial different characters going down into this room. It feels like we revisit this a lot. Yeah, especially these first few episodes, I feel like you know, we kind of see this from different points of view. We're going to find out what else is going on at the same time. But I I think the first time we see it is the best, um, just because we don't know what to expect. But it, it does feel like this is this scene is very important and that you know kind of like the we'll see the the incident later on in the series. we will show that several times. I feel like this is you know something that that we keep kind of revisiting this scene a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the times it can be annoying when, uh, shows do this where it's like, Oh, we see a little bit of this point of view and then a little bit of that one. And you feel like you're repeating a lot of things, but I definitely think it works for this situation because the hatch reveal is so monumental in the, in the show that I think it's worth seeing it. I, I, from Desmond's point of view, then Jack, then Locke, and Kate. Yeah,
0: I I feel like I, in my previous watchings, maybe have not liked this scene as much. But going back and watching, I think the first time we see it is really just so... I think it worked really well in this episode. And yeah, just I just thought that was a really good scene.
2: So I think the other thing we haven't talked about as much is... Is Sarah and uh, I think overall this is a really good flashback. I mean, obviously the on island stuff is way more interesting, um, in my opinion. But but Sarah does become a really important character in the flashback world of uh, of Jack, well, and pretty big big actress at the time too.
0: Yeah, I think this was pre modern family, but she she was definitely pretty well known. She'd been in a lot of things before this um I, I, she you know definitely to me kind of like michelle rodriguez last season. it was one of those actresses you'd seen before you know it seemed like this was a pretty big star to be on this show
2: yeah and, and i think it's yeah you know the, there's a little bit of a little bit of diversion later in her kind of arc as a, as a flashback, you know, character or whatever. But this first episode is, is really, it's like a classic, you know, kind of love story. But I think, you know, the moment where as cheesy as it is, when, when he starts feeling her legs, you know, and the, the, or she has the feeling he's with a pen. It's just like, it's always such a great moment. Very, very emotional.
0: I, I personally, I really feel like, the backstory made this episode. I I love this backstory, um, and yeah, that that scene is the climax. I I think that is just really important, um, especially tied in with the previous scene where we see, you know, Desmond talking to Jack in the stadium, saying, you know, what if you what if you did fix her, and and he's saying, you know, that's impossible. That'd be a miracle. And then we see that it actually happened. To me, that that was very big as far as the i don't know the mythology the mystery of the show is what's going on here you know ha, you know this isn't even on the island this is off the island and and this is happening so you know, we're trying to figure out what how is this possible um I, yeah i i thought that part of the story was really interesting
1: yeah and we know that and it's interesting to to listen to her fiance when he's talking with Jack um at the time that you know we his, his mindset was nowhere near what can i do to help her it was what, like so we're going to be able to make love what or, what a tool this so, guy
0: this guy I mean, he's he's up there he with just, Susan Porter i mean this guy is
1: <laughs> not cool
0: <laughs> what is wrong like and you're thinking like why was why was she going to marry this guy i was
1: waiting for steven to say that <laughs> Oh, I was late for you to say that, Steven. I, I knew you were going to put him up there with Susan Porter.
2: <laughs> They'd be perfect for each other.
1: Oh, look at that. Oh, that's but, You know, it seems
0: weird to me, too, that she didn't seem that surprised when that guy wasn't there. Like, she was going to marry this guy, but yet she wasn't really that surprised that he wasn't there to support her. I, that was just a weird relationship there. I don't know.
1: Yeah. So... Let me ask you guys this. We've been talking a little bit about Bedside Manor, and a lot of the big thing inside of the flashback was about hope versus false hope. Okay? How do you think that storyline played in reference to the hatch on the island? Because Jack, if you think about it, Jack, in a way, gave false hope to the people in the caves. He said, "We're going to put extra guards out." He said, "We're all going to make it through the night." But, when you don't know that, <laughs> that's a false hope. But it, so, so that story does play out in this one as in this scene as well.
0: Well, it seems to me that you know Jack kind of did take his father's advice here. This was this was not the Christian Shepherd we're used to seeing. You know, we've seen Christian at some bad moments. But this this was Christian kind of giving his son some good you know professional and just personal advice that you know sometimes it's good to to hand out some hope that you know that's not what we're used to hearing from Christian Shepherd and it kind of seems like Locke or like Jack took that advice and you know there on the island he's given out a little hope even though his bedside manner with Hurley is still a little lacking but I felt like that was a good to her, Yeah that sucks. that was a good through line to the story I thought that was kind of interesting for Jack
2: yeah, I think that Jack is actually he's bad at bedside manner, but when it comes to speeches, like a locker room speech to a big group, then he's great. You know, he just he just can't do the one on one. He's good at he's yeah. good at masking it from a distance. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it, you know, it seems like it seems like he can do these amazing speeches and really rally people. And yeah, he did exactly what his his dad you know advised. He gave them hope, uh, but you know he can't really pull it off with Hurley so it's, it's it's interesting I love the way this flashback reflects on what's happening in the episode but it doesn't directly it's not like this story is like directly linked to you know the island story besides obviously Desmond but it, it's like this great little mirror image of everything
1: yeah well that's all the notes I have unless y'all had anything else
2: yeah, the last thing I want to discuss, I know I brought up Desmond already, but so I've always interpreted uh, this the title of this episode to be, you know, man of science, man of faith, to be referring to Jack, obviously, as a man of science, and Locke, the man of faith. But is it possible that it's actually referring to Desmond?
0: Hmm. It's a good question.
2: Because, you know, Desmond, he's, like, he's got the whole thing about well, what if it did happen, you know, you know, you don't believe in miracles. Like what if, what if you did save her? Well, you, you could, you could save her. Um, you know, he kind of encourages him to have some faith. And then he has that great line at the end you know, you know, I just have one bit of advice for you. You're going to have to lift it up. You know, the ankle. <laughs> yeah.
0: I got to say, I, I like love, that. I love the tour de stade scene. This is, it's, You know, one of my favorite scenes in the show. We, You know, we see it a few times. But what do we think was going on here? You know, was Desmond... Did he know something... Like, it was just... It was a really weird thing for Desmond to say... Knowing no information about the situation. Why do we... Why do we think Desmond said... Thought what he did? Like, why would he think... There could have been a miracle? Like, to me, this was really interesting.
1: Maybe maybe the man in black met or Jacob met him and told him to say that. Come on.
2: No, I'm going to go a different route. (laughs) That's, that's possible. Maybe he was touched by Jacob, but I think this is the moment where Desmond is like fueled by this faith of, of getting Penny back, you know, proving that he's not a coward. You know, he is trying, he's going to do this race around the world and he knows, he has to have faith because he knows he's screwed everything up with Penny. You know, he hasn't talked to her in eight years or whatever. And so to, to be able to carry on day by day, the guy's got to have faith that he can somehow fix this huge mess he's created.
1: Yeah. And, and impress Charles Whitmore. When we get, when we talk, talking about, when we see him. Yeah. So, but, okay. Yeah.
2: But I mean, you know, maybe it's supposed to, it's probably supposed to be Locke, but it ties in well with that scene where, where Desmond is the man of faith that that pushes pushes Locke or pushes Jack to uh, believe in himself a little bit.
1: Dude, as many times as I've watched this show, I've never thought about that. That was a good observation.
2: That's what happens when you watch it every episode like ten times. If eventually you pick up on something new.
1: <laughs> All right. Well. Uh, anything well, else? Nobody got anything.
0: One one little scene that that I also really liked um, when Jack was getting ready to go into you know getting ready to start the surgery, um, and you know uh, Sarah says that you know I understand I'm not going to dance at my wedding. This is a kind of an ongoing thing with Jack to where you know people. Say they let him off the hook. You know, we see it with Rose earlier. She says, "You know, I'm letting you off the hook. You don't have to keep me company until my husband gets back." Um, yeah, we see it. Uh, one other time, we we see that with uh, Boone when Boone when uh, he's gonna cut his leg. You know, when he promises to fix Boone, and you know Boone says, "I'm letting you off the hook. You you don't have to save me." And we see this again with Sarah. She's giving him he's like. You're okay. We're... You know, I understand that you can't fix me. And then he says, just kind of out of nowhere, he's, I'm going to fix you. And then you can see the look on his... I I thought that uh, Matthew Fox did a great job in this scene. Just conveying with his face how shocked he was that he just said what he just said. I thought that was... And everybody in the room was shocked, too. You know, Sarah <laughs> yeah. was falling asleep. But the nurses are like, what just happened? What You know... I thought that was a really interesting scene. Um, just, you know, just as far as Jack's character, you know, he he's always got to fix things. And the fact that he said that and didn't even know he was going to say that, I just thought was really interesting.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking... You know, we know by the end of the series, Jack becomes a man of faith. So I wonder if this as episode, I like the way Corey brought up Desmond, but what if this episode dealt with just Jack? Jack was the man of science, but also the man of faith. Come on. Yeah,
2: I like the way you're going with Maybe that. Maybe it's just
1: a reference to one person, not two. Oh, yeah,
2: it's the two, well, two sides of the same coin.
1: Yeah. Good. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, let's go on to our in memoriam section, uh, Mister Adam Rutherford. Did, didn't know a lot of you. Um, we know you jumped a curb, so in memoriam to you, good sir. So much, so much, so much um, to say
2: about him. It's
1: so so so, so much to say. <laughs> if
2: if uh, if you were better looking. Maybe Jack would have chosen to save you instead of saving Sarah. <laughs> That's or
1: pretty much Jack's probably decision-making right there.
0: I, You know, I I am glad I'm not a doctor because how do you make those decisions? You know, you got two patients potentially dying, and th- those are some really hard decisions that yeah, doctors yeah. have to make. That's pretty amazing. Um, obviously, yeah. it didn't work out so well for Mr. Rutherford. But uh, you know, we we saved one of the two,
1: so that that was something.
2: In, in Jack's defense, he was standing closer to Sarah already. Plus, I, I oh, think yeah. I think so the he other. So ever got
1: a good look at, at 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 Mr. Rutherford? Yeah, it
2: would have taken too long to get to the other side of the room. No, I, I think he yeah, had let worse. Me just, let me just... stuff or whatever.
1: Well, he's like, yeah. Let me just go with the one person who's got a steering wheel column in their chest. I'll go. I'm going to choose to save that one. <laughs> so. All right, well, uh, Stephen, give me fifteen to sixteen seconds of your uh, overall thoughts on this episode, sir.
0: This this was a great way to to kick off season two. We you know we we get some answers on what's down the hatch, but we don't even know we're getting them while we're getting them. I think it was just a really great way to start the season. That opening scene was great. I really enjoyed the whole story of. Jack fixing Sarah, the you know potential miracle, the tour de stade scene with Desmond. A lot of good stuff in this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. Corey, what about you?
2: Yeah, I would say this this is probably one of my favorite Jack centric episodes, and just a really well rounded episode. It doesn't get caught up in the whole like premiere episode problem where it's there's too many things going on. It, it, it tells a really good story and uh, um, some, some of my favorite moments on the whole show so great episode
1: absolutely I'm right there with you guys I love the episode um, I thought it was a great great way to premiere season 2 they kind of gave you some answers but then also opened up the door for more answers and then the way the next episode goes is they're going to be immediately going to switch over to the raft crew and then almost like TV fashion they're going to make you wait an extra episode before they give you anything else uh, to, to a point um, so great episode. I loved it. Um it was a it was a wonderful time. So, those are our thoughts. What kind of rating system do we have, Stephen? Because I think we've picked three different ones.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah, it looks like we both had a few different ideas here, but let's let's go ahead and rate this one out of through 23 steering wheel columns to the chest. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. I think I think you chose wisely there. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. Mike, how many uh, how many steering wheel columns would you give this episode?
1: I'm going to give it 21 out of 23 steering wheel columns in the chest. <laughs> so so morbid. We just turned a really morbid corner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, hey, it came out of her chest. We're doing all right. It, 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 all's that ends well.
2: Well, I, I'll say, okay, Stephen was the first to put something on here, and he put something very, you know, just – Unmorbid, you know, very very nice, casual uh, tour de stats, and then I upped it with the the bleeding cable burns, and Mike just went all the way with the steering wheel columns to the chest.
1: That's right, all the way. Oh,
0: well, Corey, uh, uh, how many steering wheel columns would you give this episode?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go the same as Mike and do 21 out of 23 steering wheel columns uh to the chest the only thing that i i knock this episode on is it is a little disappointing that they kind of just hang out i mean i know there's more than that but they don't actually go down the hatch till the very end i you know i do when i first watched it It that was a little disappointing that they don't immediately go down there that's the only gripe i have but there's a lot of good storytelling to get to that point but great episode
0: Alright, got some good rankings today. I'm going to give this one a 22 out of 23 steering wheel columns. Um, same thing, you know, really the from the beginning of the episode, and I really love the way they tied in the Tour de Stade scene, the Sarah having feeling in her legs, and then seeing Desmond, um, you know, holding Locke at gunpoint. I think the way they started this episode and ended this episode was really strong. Al, um, just curious, have you guys uh, seen on Twitter the uh, the bracket of lost episodes that's going on now with another podcast? Um, it, I believe it was the Hatch Podcast. They're doing their you know sixty four team bracket, and I actually um, was kind of surprised this episode made it to the elite eight and lost to Walkabout, one of the. You know, probably favorites to win the whole thing, and it it was really a close vote. So, shout out to the Hatch Podcast. I've been enjoying your uh, your your bracket, but I thought it
1: was is that the one. Is that the post show recaps down the hatch?
0: I honestly don't know. I follow a I lot think of that's, Lost I think Things it is down on the hatch. Tw- uh, lost Thing on Twitter. I think it's called the Hatch Podcast. I could Josh Wiggler. You know, I, I apologize. I apologize if I have the wrong podcast there, but uh, whatever it is, it's a sixty four. You know, episode of Lost Bracket. And I was actually surprised at how well this episode did. So I didn't know if you guys had, had seen that. You know, you got, wow, you got cool. to assume Walkabout's got to be one of the favorites. So I thought this episode held its own pretty well.
2: You know, I'm I'm actually not surprised by that. I think this this episode yeah. usually ends up in the top 15 of a lot of people's lists. Um, but it, it's it's one where people could be really high on it. But I think some people are also a lot can be really low you know you know not low but like you know 25 as well sorry mike you were gonna say something
1: i know no i was just gonna say i was just gonna say um yeah and that that i i do you mentioned josh wiggler yeah i i I listened to a few of their episodes a few of their shows uh over there on post show recaps great uh great 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 network they do one really good ones on like the walking dead and fear the walking dead and and uh and lost down the hatch as well too so
2: and he's he's got a ridiculous show called the wiggle room which is a survivor parody song submission show which if you've ever had wow. a desire to be involved and in, participate in that it's uh it's, it's something else it's great
1: so yeah absolutely well, <laughs> ch- check him out then guys check out post show recaps are really good all right to end this thing uh sawyer's name dictionary we didn't have sawyer so uh we don't have any names and uh i'm sure we're going to get some next week and then uh total freckle count still sitting at five uh pop culture connections make your own kind of music the song was mama cass elliot is played on the record player by Desmond when she starts his this his day in the swan bunker um the, internation- the Internationale will live together or will die alone is a line from the English language Bri- Billy Bragg version of this famous socialist, anarchist, communist, and social democratic theme, or anthem.
2: Finally, we get to the bottom of what Lost is about, I
1: guess. Oh. That's right. <laughs> Anarchy. Uh, <laughs> Next time we're talking about a drift, and even if you have no idea what a drift is about, you probably can guess it because, well, the raft blew up. So we're going to head back out to sea to see what's going on with our people out there with Jen and uh, and Sawyer and Michael and maybe Walt. We don't know. No, it's not going to be Walt, uh, but we'll see out in the next episode, which is a drift. Could
2: could you call Sawyer a drifter?
1: oh is that a tie-in is a drifter i like it i like it such a bad joke i had to do it
2: now because i'll forget it it.
1: a typical dad joke um (laughs) (laughs) so follow us on twitter everybody and uh Check us out, RetroZapped, uh, on at Lost Rewatch Pod. Um, of course, we're on Instagram and Facebook. We're probably not as active on there as we probably should be. Um, more or less, I'm on Twitter the most. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the DC Fanboy, and you can find Steve where Steven, Sir
0: at Lucky Thirteen Steve on Twitter.
1: All right. All right, and Corey, where can we find you on Twitter?
2: You can find me at Original Mav. I'm actually. Actively on there now, and uh, people can you know, attest to this. So, you know, this this time, if you actually want to talk Lost, I'll be there.
1: He's there. I'll be there. And you can talk more Lost on our Retro Zap Discord, so go to retrozap.com for more details, as well as for everything else that's on retrozap.com. Articles, T Public, all those other good things that we love. Well, anything else, guys? That's it for me. Yeah, thank. thank All you right, well it. let's, well let's turn the record player on, and exercise on our bikes as we head out of the hatch this time. And we'll see you next time on previously on Lost. Peace out, guys. Peace out.
2: Bye.